Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well. We're um, in our study of Galatians today. We're still working through that. What an amazing book, um, really teaching us about the gospel of Christ in so many ways. Um, we'll be studying Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 19 today. We're walking through Galatians um, with the through the Bible series. Um, it's a podcast by Dr. J. Vernon McGee, so attribution to him. It's a really uh, great podcast, um, and we're just walking through the Bible, uh, reacting to it as we go, breaking it down, and uh, you know, trying to apply it to our own lives. So in this um, this section, just to set it up again, um, Peter has come over to Antioch um, to visit Paul. Paul has previously visited the apostles and met them for the first time. <clears throat> they're all finding out that they're all preaching consistent. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit, has guided. Uh, Paul to be going out and reaching out to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and uh, he's been directing the apostles up until now, <clears throat> led by Peter, to reach out again to the Jews. So um, they've met, they've confirmed that they're all preaching the same way, uh, the apostles have um, accepted Paul. Even though he wasn't originally with them, they were realizing that that uh, that Jesus Christ had uh, directed Paul to to do this. He's sent directly by God. So so now uh, Peter has uh, is visiting uh, uh, Paul in Antioch, which is in now present day Syria. Um, Paul uh, and uh, Peter are now eating. Uh, with the Gentiles. These are non-Jews. These are people like formerly, before Jesus did this mighty act, his sacrifice, his gospel message, these are people now formerly thought to be unclean people. But now, uh, Peter finds himself eating with them. And he's probably breaking all these Jewish customs and traditions. He's eating unclean food, you know. Maybe they're having a barbecue. Maybe they're having some good old pork chops or whatever. But um, they're having stuff that um, is unclean in the in the traditional Jewish eyes. And so Peter's sitting there. Uh, they're chowing down. And then uh, the rest of the the um, the Jews, which are the the Jewish Christians, the Christians who used to be Jews, the the Christians formerly known as Jews, are now coming to meet with the uh, Christians formerly known as Gentiles. It's you know it's amazing drama of these people like at the at the birth of this new religion um, now coming together. Um, the Gentiles are now breaking all these Jewish traditions because they're claiming themselves to be, you know, um, believers in something. Um, Jesus Christ that um, gives access to God that are, that is formally accessible only to the Jewish people. So that blows up all that, and now you've got the 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 Jews over here 
who are mixing with the Gentiles and are now, uh, you know, eating food and, you know, formally thought to be unclean, okay, busting all those traditions. Everything's just up in the air right now. Um, and you could see how everybody would be a little confused. Uh, Jesus Christ has just blown it all up. The gospel has blown all this up. So basically what happens is, is when, when um, Peter sees the um, uh, Christians who are formerly Jews coming in, he kind of gets self-conscious and he kind of get, you know, he's thinking, uh-oh, you know, so he retreats back to uh, a table where there is probably um, more kosher food, more, you know, strict, you know, food prepared more strictly. Um, it must have been the banquet must have been set up or the meal area must have been set up to accommodate different views. So he gets he gets um, a little peer pressure going. He gets um, nervous about it because he doesn't want to be judged wrongly. Um, you know, these fellows might go back to Jerusalem and tell everybody uh, Peter fell off the wagon and he's acting like a Gentile now. So Paul sees all this and he has to call Peter out on this. And we have a marvelous little study here, just a few verses about uh, how we're justified, how we are, how we are now viewed walking forward. And that's where we'll, we'll take up at verse uh, 15. And he's kind of beginning to rebuke Peter. And in verse uh, 15, he uh, starts off, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So that we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And then he, uh, so he, he puts in right there and, and breaking that down, uh, we see he's trying to say that only faith in Jesus justifies us, not by works. And you can know a person, any man, any woman, any race, no gender, no matter where you come from, who you are, rich, poor, Beautiful person, ugly person, whatever, who you, whoever you are, doesn't matter. You can't do anything to get justified before God. There's nothing you can do. Any works of any law, any legal system, any act, you lose. You're a loser. You can't do it. Nothing justifies you before God. This is, in a way, saying we are so far separated from God. We are so far over our heads. Not one of us can ever, ever, in a zillion trillion years, ever approach God. Nothing we can do. Every religion, the, the thing that makes Christianity so different, every religion, every single other religion has people trying to do stuff. You know, it's like every other religion focuses on man 
trying to find God, trying to get to God by, you know, going to different levels and achieving different things or meditating or praying different prayers or um, taking a pilgrimage or doing things. It's almost like they're all set up by men anyway. But, but with Christianity, Christianity is different because Christianity says, boom, it's already done. Christianity has set itself up independently of man, and basically it says, I've already allowed you to live. All you have to do is believe it. Christianity, God's done the heavy lifting. Man can't do the heavy lifting. Man's too puny. So uh, through Jesus Christ, God has allowed His grace to be poured out Onto us. It's the gospel. Galatians is all about the gospel. Galatians is about God's grace. So Jesus Christ gives us everything. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the amen when you say amen. Amen. It's all done. It's faith plus nothing else. As Dr. McGee says. Faith plus nothing. You want to know what you have to do to be justified before God? Faith plus nothing. You want to do if there's a room full of people and you got a bunch of people being self-conscious about um, whether or not um, this food is the right food to eat or you're doing the right thing or people are trying to figure out who's the who 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 are the people in the room that are the right people and who are the wrong people. What do you think? It's faith plus nothing. It has nothing to do with what one person feels another person's doing. It has nothing to do with human traditions or human law. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Works plus nothing. I mean, boom, this blows it all up. So um, Paul is sort of writing to the Galatians as to what he had to do and what he had to tell Peter. Okay, so we put back in in verse 17, he says, But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. So he he puts in right there saying, you know, if we start thinking about acting a certain way to please somebody else, to please others, or thinking our actions build us up in a certain way, like we're good, we are actually reclaiming a dependency on man's works. We're de- reclaiming independency on ourselves, our human actions, which puts us back under the law, which puts us back on claiming a dependency on works of man, not works of God. And when we do that, we have to realize that that's what Christ died for to tear down. He died so that that whole system of of law of of relying on human beings to act a certain way had to be torn down because everybody's a sinner under the law. 
So if we allow ourselves, again, to be dependent on ourselves, if we allow ourselves to to be dependent on our works or peer pressure, which is really worried about man's works or groupthink, if we put ourselves back under that kind of a judgment, under the works of the law, we thus put ourselves back to be judged as a sinner. You know, Christ didn't die so that we could be judged as sinners. He didn't die for that. He died so that we would be above that because he took it away for us so that we wouldn't have to be judged as sinners. So when we put our faith back in our own selves, back in what we feel about our own selves, our own works, or if we put ourselves back uh, to be um, judged by other people thinking they're judging what we do, we lose every time. We're longing for that, that security that we feel like we're back under the law and we don't have to do anything to, you know, we can trust what we feel about ourselves. We're longing to be condemned again. We, we're just saying, shoot me in the head one more time. So Paul says that he died to the law. Kind of messes with your brain a little bit. Like, what? Did he die? What did he do? He's not talking about that. He says, you know, Paul is telling them he accepts that he was already condemned to die under the law. You know, Paul was the guy who was so in love with the law. He was like the one of the chief protectors of the law. And when he saw the early church running around saying, you don't need the law, that's why he was running around persecuting Christians like he did, because he was trying to protect the law. But then when Jesus gave his great revelation to Paul, and then Paul all of a sudden becomes this Christian, Paul says, you know what, I accept under the purest of terms that the law condemned me to death, because Paul was able to see that he himself could never be justified under the law. So Paul's saying, you know what? I accept that the law condemned me to death. So he says, okay, I died under the law. There you have it. He no longer, his old self, no longer lives under the law. He says, that part of me is gone. That, that part of my life is gone. It's dead. It's gone. Because he says, now I no longer live to seek any form of justification by the law. That is not my life. The law doesn't rule me anymore. The law doesn't hold this, uh, my life, uh, you know, over my head like this. That way of living is over. It is dead because only through living through Jesus Christ can he or any of us be justified before God. Amazing few verses here, 15 through 19 is what we're doing today. Just amazing verses that really apply the gospel to how we think. How we, what we say and think and do, you know. We can say we believe in Jesus and here's the gospel, yay, 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 rah, rah, rah. But what now? You know, what do we do when people are looking at us or how well do we act? Um, I, I want to call this sort of the good person syndrome, you know. A lot of Christians today fall into that. 
You know, we think we're okay because we act like we feel like we're okay. We act and feel okay. It's, you know, we feel pretty good. You know, I'm only, I'm in a good place. You know, I'm doing everything okay. Don't push me around. You know, I feel like I'm okay. That good person syndrome. Or maybe it's the good Christian that's in the comfort, the comfort zone of Christianity, feeling comfortable. We think we're okay. Not thinking that we have to be totally dependent on Jesus Christ. It's that feeling of total dependency on Jesus Christ. Not ourselves. Not how we feel about anything. It's faith in Him. Because if we allow ourselves to sort of feel our faith is dependent on how we feel, we stop depending on how we on 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 Jesus Christ. And then we start, it's so easy to sort of let ourselves justify what we do. I don't feel like I need to do that because I feel pretty good. You know, really dangerous territory when you let your life be ruled by your feelings or let your standing with God be ruled by what you um, see everybody else doing or feeling like you're okay because of stuff you did. You know, I'm a good Christian. I help people out. I, you know, take food to old ladies. You know, I give money to the church. Um, you know, um, I, I go to church on Sundays. All that stuff, you know, is kind of human works. And it's easy for us to build ourselves up by what we do. It's all good, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, you take food to old ladies, you go to church, you give money to, you feel good about what you did, you know. It's easy to kind of feel built up by your own self. It's also easy to feel bad. You can tear yourself down also in other ways, you know. I didn't go to church. Ah, I'm a sinner. I didn't give money to the church. Ah, I must not be a good person. Or I see this other person giving this big gift, and I didn't give a big gift to the church. You know? I just feel like, oh, boy, you know, I'm at a baseball game, a football game, a soccer game, and, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't uh, act very Christian-like. Oh, my goodness. You know, you, you tear yourself down in one way and you build yourself up in the other way and you start letting your life be ruled by how you feel or by how you judge yourself according to how somebody else acts. Uh-oh, now you're judging yourself. You're ju- There's only one judge, that's Jesus Christ. And there's only one way to be justified before God, and that's Jesus Christ. And there's only one way we can do it. There's only one way we can live according to what Paul's saying. Paul's saying the only way you can live justified before God is a total dependency on Jesus Christ. Through faith. That's the gospel. The gospel comes to us by God's grace. Not by anything we do, we say. It's the grace of God through Jesus Christ. I hope this is helpful, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
So now, as promised, I'll turn the segment over to Matali in Zambia, Africa, for her comments and perspectives on this study. Hello. Hope everyone is doing good. So today I'm going to share a few highlights of what I learned from Pastor Maggie's preaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verses 11 through to 24. So the book of Galatians is an epistle written by Paul to the churches of Galatia. And uh, Paul wrote uh, this epistle from his heart at the time when there was confusion in the church and misunderstandings. So um, if we look back um, at Paul's life, Paul was a Judaizer and um, he was saved from the religion of Judaism. When Paul was in the religion of Judaism, he profited and persecuted the religion of God. And later on, Paul was called directly by the revelation of Jesus Christ, and he became an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Paul was saved by faith and nothing else, and became a religion and became an apostle of Jesus. Um, so from Pastor J. McGee's um, preaching, he pointed out that the gospel has two aspects to it. The gospel has facts, which cannot be changed. It's a fact that Jesus Christ died for us. It's a fact that Jesus Christ was buried and he rose from the dead. And um, the gospel is also subject to interpretation. And in order for us to interpret the gospel, we have to receive it by faith and nothing else. So if we go back to Judaizer, um, they never challenged facts. They believed in the facts because they were historical. You can't change the facts. Interpretation is what was actually changed, and they added their own thing. And if you add something to the gospel that is not factual, um, it perverses the gospel. And if I relate it in modern-day churches today, churches want to change the gospel according to their own interpretation, which eventually tends to perverse the gospel, which is not supposed to be the case. The gospel works hand-in-hand hand with facts. It's a fact. Jesus Christ is our shepherd, our Lord and personal Savior. The minute I feel the minute, as Pastor Jim McGee says, as Pastor Jim McGee has pointed out, if, say, um, you have a church and they're interpreting the gospel according to the way that suits them, you have a right to actually tell them, get out of here. Um, I mean, there's only one gospel, there's only one truth, and... Um, we have to go through Jesus, like we have to let Christ live through us in order for us to actually be saved. And um, from my take in today's um, preaching is 
we have to let Christ live through us. And um, meaning we have to go to him as sinners and accept that we are sinners. And this is the only way we're going to have the gift of eternal life. As, because the gift of eternal life is uh, life in Christ. And um, the biggest take from today's preaching for me is Jesus Christ came for sinners. And we have to stop trying to be good sinners. Because Jesus, no matter what, if you go to Jesus Christ and confess your sins and um, accept Jesus Christ, he's going, to, he's going to love you no matter what. Um, and um, for me, that's my biggest take. All you need is faith in Christ and nothing else. And, you know, take all your sores and all your burdens to Christ and he will accept you as you are. So, um, yeah, for me, that was my biggest um, highlight in today's preaching. So, um, yes, I'm looking forward to the next preaching. And, um, yeah, have a good day and God bless. I just want to say thanks again for listening. And I pray that the Lord will be with you and give you strength every step of every day, both now and for all eternity. We'll see you next time.